welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, I'm joined by the lovely Avni Mashru, who's a director from uh, our UK accounting technical team. We've seen you before, Avni. You're back. I'm very excited to be back. Love being in the podcast studio. Good. And you're also our real estate accounting leader. Yes. We haven't told them the topic yet, but it's very topical in that area. And what we're going to talk about today is IFRS 16, so the new leasing standard, the unspoken parts. (laughs) I like that. Mystery. Mystery. (laughs) Mystery story. And we have done a podcast. We were laughing before we came on air because we've done a podcast before and we felt like our voices basically sounded like the same person. We're podcast twins. (laughs) So, yeah. So, see, is it just me in the studio pretending I'm two people? It might be. I'm not as clever as you about IFRS 16, so it's definitely not. You're definitely here. And you're writing an article about at the moment around this sort of unspoken IFRS 16. And Avni and I both have a passion in the world of like like consolidation and bizcoms we're asset people aren't absolutely. we absolutely so that's what this is going to focus yeah, on the bits people have brilliant. forgotten yeah. <laughs> forget your lease term your discount rate they're easy now let's yeah. move on to the tough stuff exactly so let's start with that and around consolidation group accounts single entity accounts what are the big things that people seem to be forgetting yeah i think you know and perhaps really rightly so but you know if you're if you're if you're out there and you're looking at uh you know transitioning ifrs 16 uh, in a groups in a group situation rightly the start point is what is in those consolidated numbers and really the unspoken piece here is actually once you delve under that there are quite a few other areas to think about uh, and certainly one that I have seen now emerge, certainly as people are really getting to grips with IFRS 16, is around intragroup leasing. And a very common structure is to have what we often refer to as a propco and an opco structure. So property company and operating company. And what the propco would do is it would hold all the properties that are used around the group in a single entity. So the propco's job is just to hold those properties and it would then lease them out to all the operating companies that actually use them in their day-to-day operations. Now, pre-IFRS 16, that was all fine because often these, these leases, these property leases tend to be operating leases. So the propco would have operating lease income, the opco would have operating lease expense, They clearly would be for the same number, one would hope. (laughs) And that would all lovingly... Nice, easy consolidation adjustment. Consolidation adjustment, very, very easy. And just to confirm, this is where the property company owns leases. Yes, we'll come on to a a slight variance in a second. second. (laughs) Let's easing you into the topic. So let's move to IFRS 16. And assuming, obviously, you're looking at a scenario where, of course, you are applying IFRS 16 in, in your subsidiaries. The propco probably doesn't look too different in this scenario, so it's yeah. still going to have property. That that makes sense. It's going to have lease income. That's that does not change under IFRS 16. The opcos, however, clearly will have a different scenario. So um, they will now have a right of use asset, a lease liability, depreciation expense, and interest expense. So lots of different things now going through both the balance sheet and the PL. So now if you then wind this forward onto consolidation, my not lovely... so easy. Yeah, I've got a very <laughs> lopsided, not symmetrical consolidation entry here where clearly I still need to eliminate the lease income. But now I've got to eliminate the asset, the liability, the interest and the depreciation to leave just my property and my prop co surviving on consolidation. So obviously it requires a few more entries 
and therefore just some thought in your consolidation process to update to allow for all of that because yeah. that's quite a few more things to think about it's not even just like okay you need mm. to think about the extra debits credits but your system i'm guessing i'm not a systems person but that no. would have to handle absolutely. those extra sort of journals absolutely as well. and the other thing just to throw in in there you know we've just said oh yeah you put a right of use asset lease yeah. liability on the balance sheet clearly you've got to go through all the same considerations yeah. around what's the lease term what's a discount rate and in a group that could be a little bit more perhaps a little bit more tricky i've seen examples where there isn't yeah. a lease contract so how do you figure out what the yeah, lease term is how that. do you figure it yeah so, where there's like unwritten yeah, terms between, unwritten terms exactly. yeah and so you you're down to okay well trying to determine what are the terms because clearly yeah. a an asset is being used so there's lots of we haven't and you know i haven't even I've, I've touched only on the got easy 20 minutes stuff. happening. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are lots of things to think about yeah. um, when you actually even just get into the mechanics of getting the right of use asset and the lease liability yeah. on balance sheet. So let's take it to an even harder yeah. level. I yes. said, like, in this, we're assuming <laughs> that the property company owns yeah. the properties. What if they don't? Yeah, I, I would say... Add ha- another lease in. Add another lease in. <laughs> Perhaps a more common scenario is for the prop code to act as a central leasing company. So the PropCo will have all, uh, will be the, the lessee for all of the OPCO's leases. So it will lease them all in. And then it will lease them all back out to the various OPCO's that are using the, the, the various properties. So now, again, as before, wouldn't have been, actually, it would have been easier. Uh, you know, there's nothing going on anyone's balance sheet pre IFRS yeah. 16. Uh, the PropCo now has to have a right of use asset and a lease liability. So you've got additional right of use asset, lease liability to think about there. And that perhaps is already, to be fair, caught in the consolidated IFRS 16 exercise because that right of use asset and lease liability in the PropCo will survive on consolidation. The added complication is OPCO is now obviously leasing out that right of use is a lessor as well. So you now have to consider the subleasing guidance in IFRS 16. The subleasing guidance in IFRS 16 is different to IS 17. And I know we've said that in various forums and guises before but in in considering that sublease and considering whether that sublease is an operating lease or a finance lease historically you would look at the underlying asset and kind of make that distinction based on what the underlying asset was when IFRS 16 you don't do that you determine whether you've got an operating lease or a finance lease in the context of the right of use asset so let's just take an example if I have a property lease in for 10 years. So the PropCo has entered into a 10-year property lease on a property and then PropCo sublets out on a 10-year term to the OPCO. I have a finance lease because if I go down all the indicators, which are pretty much the same as I-17, I will very likely hit all of the finance lease indicators. And then what happens in PropCo is I de-recognise the rights of use asset and bring on a finance lease receivable. Yeah. Another thing that's uh, again that we haven't had to do before at a at an entity level. So yeah. if I, if we then go to the consolidation entries yeah. and the consolidation elimination, I've got some more complication Ooh. here because I've now got all the the weird and wonderful stuff going on in Opco. Yeah. Uh, but in Propco, I've now got some got, other stuff. I've got some other stuff. <laughs> so I've got the finance lease receivable. I've probably got some interest income. So a few more entries again. Yeah. Now, I would say, like I said, I, I feel that just from discussions with various companies, this seems to, that, you know, with the PropCo OPCO structure, the, the lease, that lease situation I just described seems to be the more common one because yeah. often, yes, some companies do own um, and groups do own their own property, but, you know, increasingly today, yeah, uh, most of them are leased in. 
yeah. My word, so that really is a lot of extra journaling. That is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so almost staying in the theme of mm. groups, mm. but something else we see a lot is mm. obviously business combinations. Favourite topic of ours. Exactly. Anything we need to... It used to be easy, didn't it? <laughs> it used to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll start with kind of just what has changed with IFRS 16 and business combinations just on an ongoing basis, and then I'll pick up on a transition issue that, that people should be aware of. So prior to, to IFRS 16, you know, I'm sure our listeners are... are perhaps well versed in this for those that have done business combinations you know you do a business combination if the entity you've acquired um, has any leases uh, you then assess the terms of those lease see if those leases are favorable or unfavorable to market terms at the acquisition date and you recognize an asset or a liability is yeah. appropriate that's a you know it's a consolidation top level consolidation adjustment in of itself and that's it there's not really much else you, yeah. you you generally think about. Under IFRS 16 made a change to IFRS 3, the business combination standard, which says that if, you know, any business combination you do, again, if the acquiry has a lease arrangement as a lessee, you have to go in and uh, calculate your right of use asset and your lease liability on the basis of the acquisition date being the start date of the lease. So that's a slightly different yeah. concept to what we had today. If I'm honest, I think for ongoing business combinations, I don't necessarily think people will miss that requirement. Yeah. What they might miss is on transition. Again, if you're an acquisitive group or have grown by acquisition in the past and have acquired many different groups and entities at many different points in time, yeah. what you'll have to remember on transition to IFRS 16 is if you do the fully retrospective approach for leases within your group that have been acquired you must only go back from a group perspective back to the acquisition date for that subsidiary okay. uh, rather than going the to the contract and saying, well, let's go back to the start of that particular lease as it sits in that subsidiary. Because for the, from the group's point of view, it was never a party to the lease until the acquisition yeah. date happened. Obviously, in the underlying subsidiary, yes, yeah. they would go back. And that, again, consolidation entries, yeah. <laughs> that's going to cause you another consolidation adjustment because at the sub level subsidiary level it again if it's doing ifrs 16 uh, transition in of itself it will have to go back to the original actual lease commencement date and work out uh, again if you go retrospective work out the lease accounting on consolidation that point in time that you would have gone back to will be a different point in time so you've got yeah. different right of use assets and lease liabilities and all sorts yeah. of entries again that has to be eliminated but equally those thinking well i'm not going to do fully retro yeah. so it's fine yeah um if who you would? do <laughs> who would who would do who would do all that if you're doing modified retrospective or the modified approach again obviously not the necessarily the easier option but if you're choosing to go back and retrospectively measure certain rights of use assets and if those are property leases any of them uh, as an example you can only go back to the acquisition date so again don't uh, be careful not to default to going back to all the way yeah. to the original lease commencement date for acquired leases so again just an additional point to be aware of I was thinking when you were talking there, mm. this might almost be easier if the sub you bought has got loads of leases. You've not got to like look at the contract, every contract to work out, but you yeah, still got to do it. You've got to do it, yeah. But you still got to do it in the sub anyway. Absolutely. I was thinking, oh, it's easy. You no, know the acquisition date. No, you just, just go back that far. No. No. Yeah. I was hoping there was Sorry. a little like silver yeah. lining. I mean, even there. actually, even unfortunately, sorry to add a bit more doom here. Um, even if you're doing I'm the most... that crime by the end of this, haven't <laughs> <I? laughs> This is really wasn't Luckily, the intention I'm not of the <laughs> 
I mean, even if you do this, the simple modified approach, yeah. you set your right of ease asset equal to your lease liability, you're still going to have consolidation adjustments because the subsidiary, yeah. um, you know, potentially, you know, depending on what happens there. So th- there's all sorts of things. I mean, yeah, there, there are there are probably one or two scenarios where you can set everything up if you align everything and you make sure the subsidiaries are all aligned. Yeah. But you could easily, particularly if you want to go back and cherry pick and, and measure certain right of use assets at at their historic amounts effectively yeah you could easily end up in the situation where you've you've perhaps not respected the acquisition date yeah i like that respect the respect acquisition the asset. date yes. everybody like that. that could be our tagline, <laughs> tagline yeah. now not to we've already mm. said you know it's a bit demon gloom don't don't run away let listeners but i'm going to make it worse because why not chuck impairment and really Let's make chuck in impairment. um you know again impairment i feel it only recently are we starting to hear thoughts around oh actually how do i I'm, I'm, you know admittedly more perhaps a little more on an ongoing basis um necessarily than transition depending on your transition approach but how do I deal with impairment now because I have a right of use asset on my balance sheet very clearly this is now in the scope of IS 36 the impairment standard in terms of testing for impairment whereas before I was uh, you know obviously operating lease off balance sheet and then all I ever had to think about is whether I had an onerous contract under the provision standard IS 37. So this is a complete change from where we have been. So the answer to that is yes, obviously, you are subject to doing impairment testing, including right of use assets. So that will go in your CGUs. In your CGUs, so cash generating units, you know, assuming that you're, you know, you wouldn't test your right of use asset on a standalone basis. So you'd have to add that into your CGU. So you got, and you also got to update your cash flow. So let's take value and use as a, a method that you're using. As of today, you know, value and use for a CGU would include lease expense as one of the the cash outflows. Obviously, you're going to have to take that out because these leases are now on balance sheet and you wouldn't have that that in your cash flow. So obviously, your cash flows are going to change. The other thing that is likely going to change is your WAC, your weighted average cost of capital, because now what's happened is your gearing has changed. So, and, and this is... There is a little bit of sort of evolving thinking here around wax and, and kind of the impact of this. But on the presumption that a WAC has been calculated, excluding, you know, lease liabilities as being part of the debt piece yeah. of, of your cost of capital, that now, now it's clearly, there. now it's in there, now it's in, you know, a piece of effectively a piece of debt on your balance sheet. And that, you know, again, will be a change that needs to be reflected in your WAC, possibly would reduce your WAC because if you think the cost of debt is generally lower than the, the sort of cost of equity, so the balance will, will sort of mean perhaps WAC will be lower. All in all, you know, the question we get is, does that mean I'm going to have all of a sudden impairment? Because I've yeah. now all of us, you know, I've, I've taken carrying amounts gone up, carrying amount of my CGU's gone <laughs> up. I've now included this right of use asset. Bear in mind your cash flows, you know, in the round may may go up, may not, because obviously you've excluded the lease expense from your cash flow, so that's an outflow that's gone. So yeah. my cash flows have, have increased overall, but you will include something around replacement um, costs. Okay. Of, of lease assets so that there's a there's a potential that perhaps it might even out a little bit it really it really depends but again the, you know there could be a positive impact on your cash flows and again with uh the whack potentially if it decreases and this is all i'm, I'm i know i'm being very sort of hesitating here because it all still really in discussion it's still in discussion but also it does really depend on on kind of what you you know your individual circumstances you know if your discount rate decreases that has you know yeah. the, the impact of increasing the, the value of your cash flows when discounted so there's a lot of things in play yeah there may you know there may well be an impact on the headroom that you have 
you know, initial gut reaction, and this is a really gut reaction. We won't hold you to it. Don't We've hold got me a to it. At the end. <laughs> you know, it feels a little bit odd, really, if IS thirty six applying IS thirty six purely in of itself triggered an impairment. Yeah, should, that to me yeah. would suggest that something's going wrong somewhere potentially. But you know, there were, there are things that are going to change in this calculation. So I guess you couldn't absolutely rule it out. But again, like I said, I, it, it would feel unusual to me. Yeah. Okay, so I suppose the thing there really to take away is don't forget it in don't your impairment tests. No. And it, there's both sides. You've got to think about your CGU and your cash flows mm-hmm. and your discount rate. Yes. So yes. again, lots for people lots. to think about. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. We have used up the 20 minutes all on doom and gloom. I feel like we must have some, is it like a positive? I'll come, yeah, maybe I'll come back with a, with a, with a follow-up. These are easy bits. <laughs> yeah. And make, make, yourself feel, make yourself feel better about iPress 16 podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll have an I Love iPress 16 yeah. uh, podcast as well. So look forward to that, listeners. Don't, you know, keep tuning in. Don't cry yet. But thank you very much, my lovely podcast Thank you for twin. having me. <laughs> Come back again soon. Um, thanks for listening. Is there information about this on our... You're, you're writing an article at the moment, aren't you? I'm writing an article okay. at the moment. Um, we have lots of detailed, uh, useful information on our website, uh, PwC Inform. And we have a dedicated IFRS 16 page where you can find a lot of this stuff um, uh, that I've just talked about. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So thank you for listening. I've been your host, Ruth Pretty. Happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.